0: You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cuddle of Gary Cuddle Ministries on today's edition.
1: We have a whole world of religious people don't even understand what Jesus really did for them. They still try to mix grace with works. They still think, well, he may save me, but i got to keep it. Well, I tell you what, I don't want to bank on getting to heaven just on what Jesus did. I better straighten up and fly right, or I might miss it. And we use phrases like this, and we try to, you know, oil and water don't mix, and grace and works don't mix.
0: God's grace is all you need, nothing else. You don't have to do a single thing to earn it or maintain it. God didn't look at you and how well behaved you were before you were saved and determined that he would send Jesus because you earned it. He saw you and I in all of our wickedness, inside and out. And he wanted to send Jesus to save us in spite of all that. As Pastor Gary will remind us in today's message, Jesus has done everything necessary to reconcile us to God. Now, here's Pastor Gary in the book of Matthew chapter 11, as he begins his message, Grace, a force to be reckoned with. Matthew
1: chapter 11, we will read verses 1 through 6 in our opening passage, where the Bible says, and it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do here. And see, the blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. My focus is verse 6. Blessed is he. Whosoever shall not be offended in me, and my title is grace, a force to be reckoned with. It's interesting to me that though John the Baptist was the forerunner of Christ, and though he himself even introduced Jesus by saying, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, yet in prison John was facing doubts as to who Christ may or may not be. And sometimes when we're in our storms, we allow our vision to be blurred and our understanding to be murky. Can I get an amen? But never doubt in the darkness what you've heard God speak in the light. Because even though John was in prison and about to lose his head for preaching the truth, the fact and the truth still remain that Jesus Christ is Lord. But I want to point something out here that's very interesting. In verse 2, it said, Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, that all right. so notice what the pivotal point in his direction of thinking. It was after he had heard the very works of Christ that he began to inquire as to whether or not Jesus was the one that they were looking for. Now, I can't prove this, but I want to ask by way of question, could it be that even after John heard about what Jesus was doing, that because what Jesus was doing looked so vastly different than anything John the Baptist had personally ever seen, heard, or experienced, that he all began to question whether or not that was who they were supposed to be looking for? After all, even John grew up in a religious environment. God raised him up and raised him and cut him off a different cloth, so to speak. God uh, raised him up to stir up the religious and to call them to repentance. Uh, so John had a lot more spiritual depth and perception than the religious scribes and Pharisees of his day. But do keep in mind that he was, in fact, uh, as a human influenced by a projection of what other religious scholars thought the Messiah should look like. And so when Jesus began to heal and to raise the dead and to do all these wonderful works, no one really understood that that's what he would be coming to do. They were looking for, the the religious people were looking for a military leader that would take charge and and that would overcome Rome on behalf of the Jewish people and establish a religious state. They wasn't looking for a, a lamb that would be led to the slaughter, and as a sheep before shearers was dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Jesus didn't even fight to preserve his own physical life. This is not the kind of leader they was looking for. And so even John, I personally believe, uh, when he began to consider what all Jesus was doing, it looked different than what he had expected. And let me say this to you today. If you ever completely understand the work of the grace of God and what he did to redeem you and to redeem me, it often looks vastly different than human expectations. Because most people in the world work a religion. Their idea is to achieve something that would please God that he might let them into heaven. And so even today we have a whole world of religious people don't even understand what Jesus really did for them. They still try to mix grace with works. They still think, well, he may save me, but I got to keep it. Well, I tell you what, I don't want to bank on getting to heaven just on what Jesus did. I better straighten up and fly right or I might miss it. And we use phrases like this and we try to, you know, oil and water don't mix and grace and works don't mix. Not in terms of works unto salvation. But I want you to understand that grace looks different than what most religious people even grasp or understand until the Holy Spirit illumines their heart and mind to it. And that's why I titled the message that grace is a force to be reckoned with. It will trouble you as a religious person. It will cause you to lose sleep at night. As a church member, if you have never tasted the true richness of the grace of God, if you're still trying to work and strive and do and keep and all this kind of stuff as a way to earn brownie points with God, you wish you should be stirred up to the point to where you will either be offended or you will get right with God and fall under the canopy of his grace in faith and repentance. Amen, church? And so grace is something that we must all take a close look at and understand. And I believe that though John the Baptist, uh, I believe that John the Baptist could be adequately described as perhaps the last Old Testament prophet. But he was a bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so he was introducing the new so that the the old could be fulfilled in Christ. And so John the Baptist even didn't completely understand what grace was about, I don't think. But he did know at least that Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And I can tell you there's a lot of things that I don't know about. There's a lot of things I don't understand about grace, but I can tell you one thing. If I can get you to Jesus, he'll take you from there. Amen. And he can handle you. He can handle you in all of your mess. He can handle you in all of your addictions, all of your problems, all of your secrets. God himself can handle you when religion don't know what to do with you but to toss you out and discard you. So, if we're going to be reckoned... With grace or reconciled with grace or come into agreement with grace, three things must happen. Number one, you must open your eyes to the truth. You must open your eyes to the truth. Let me ask you by way of question, what are you looking for? Everybody come to church this morning for a reason, for one reason or the other. And quite honestly, sometimes for people, church is a spectator's event. They don't come to engage, but they do come to observe and to speculate and to calculate, amen, and to uh, regurgitate. No, I'm kidding. Uh, they, they, they come to criticize sometimes. Some people come not really to change, but to just, you know, sometimes it's just curiosity. That brings people out. Look at your text. We didn't read it. But look at verse 7 of our text. As they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John. What went ye out into the wilderness to what? To see. (laughs) So even then, people were coming to see something. And look what he asked them. A reed shaken in the wind. I believe Jesus was asking in verse 7. Did you come to see a force of nature? X. That's not it. He goes on. And what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's passes. That ain't John the Baptist. That would be symbolic to me of a force of man. They they didn't come to see a force of nature. They didn't come to see a force of man because they knew John the Baptist was different than all them other preachers. There was something different about him. And some people will indeed come to Washington Heights Baptist Church to hear me preach because there's something different about me than uh, perhaps other preachers that they've heard preach. And I don't say that to boast or to brag or anything. I'm saying that to explain to you the spiritual dynamic of what God is doing in our midst. God often breaks out of our religious boxes to do something new so that we can know that we had a holy visitation from God Almighty. And I'm thankful that God does that for us. And so they came to see An interesting man for sure, I believe they came to see a force of God, but they didn't fully understand exactly what they were coming to see. Verse 9, but what went ye out to see? A prophet? Yea. Jesus said, that's it. You did come to see a prophet. Then he says, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. They came to see... A work of God. Now, let me, let, me, let me ask you a question. Do you remember the text where the Bible said that it was noised abroad that Jesus was in the house? Jesus was doing a mighty work. And Word got out that he was at such and such place doing all kinds of miracles. So the word spread fast that God was on the move over there. God was stirring the waters, and people were moving toward the stirring of the water because they heard that something different was going on. And for some of you today, it is you have come to the realization of the truth that church ain't what it used to be anymore. All of a sudden, you're beginning to fall under some uncomfortable conviction that used to religion didn't move you and religion didn't stir you and the force of nature didn't impress you and the force of men haven't impressed you but all of a sudden the force of God is beginning to move and now your dead, dried up soul is beginning to get uncomfortable and God is beginning to dial your number and he's, you're beginning to see the handwriting on the wall that though you may come to church you are found wanting before a holy and righteous God. We need to know that God is moving in our midst, and that there's a reason you are here. You may have come for many reasons, but there's a divine reason that you are here. God wanted you here so that he might draw you to himself. Not that he might draw you to me or my family or the choir loft, amen, or to some program in the church, though all those things are fine and dandy, but God wants to know you personally what What went ye out to see what are you looking for. And many come out and see John the Baptist, uh, that old fiery preacher, and they are impressed, uh, but not enough to make a change. Oh, they're think still thinking carnally. They're still looking at it more like a a show. Amen. Because uh, it's different and it's more exciting and it's more appealing. And I kind of like that. It's just a little different. At least I don't go to sleep. and, And they have a worldly way of defining a work of God. But the truth is, God is stirring not just your flesh God is stirring your soul to move you to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ And I want you to know today that this is more than a work of man. This is more than a force of nature. This is a move of God. And you better buckle up and hold on because we're praying and we have every intention of letting God have his will and way in our midst. And my prayer is, Lord, hide me behind the cross. Clothe me with humility and fill me with your spirit so that I don't stand in your way of doing what you want to do with your people in your church. Amen. You got to open your eyes, though. What are you looking for? Many of you have come to church year after year and uh, spiritually bankrupt. Amen. Church didn't do anything for you or so you thought. But little did you know over the years the seed of God's word has been sown into your heart. And now the Holy Spirit's beginning to send a ladder rain. And those dead seeds are beginning to come to life. And all of a sudden, you're seeing things you never saw before. You're hearing things you never heard before. You're understanding things you never understood before. And the Holy Spirit is doing His work of enlightening your heart and your mind. And none of us can take credit for what God's doing. For He is the Lord of the harvest. And He is, the Bible says He is some soul and some water. But only God gives the increase. And God chooses the time and place in which he wants to move. And I'm not suggesting or saying at all that God has not moved here in the past. I'm sure he has. And I thank God. Obviously, something was being done right. Amen. Because God's people were praying and God's people got hungry and God's people got desperate. Amen. But let me tell you something. God responds to appetite. And when we get the hungriest, that's when God brings out the full spread of his grace. Amen. Amen. And I'm telling you today that God is doing a work and he wants to, he wants, he wants to get it down on your lane. It's your house in your bedroom, amen, wherever you are, God wants to hunt you down, and he wants you to have more than religion, he wants you to have a relationship with the king of kings, and the Lord of lords, whose name is Jesus Christ, aren't you tired of how wore out religion causes you to be, aren't you tired of carrying your weight, and your guilt, and your shame, and never feeling forgiven, and never feeling satisfied, and never feeling delivered, and never feeling like you've really got any help i'm telling you it's time to junk your religion it's time to put your faith in the lord jesus christ it's time to bow an old-fashioned altar and give jesus your heart today god wants you to be stirred unto faith in jesus christ So you got to open your eyes. What are you looking for? Some of you have been looking for hope and happiness in the pill and in the bottle and in relationships, and you have been found lacking in all of the above. Everything you've done and everything you've tried have left you emptier and more cold-hearted, and today God has dialed your number, and the Bible says today if you will hear his voice harden not your heart, amen, behold, now is the day of salvation. Today is the accepted time. you don't call on God when you get ready you call on him when he's dialing your number amen open your eyes understand that you are looking not for John the Baptist you're looking for the one that John the Baptist came to introduce you to and that's what these people didn't understand they came out they thought they'd see something different and even when they saw John they thought he was just another prophet but he was more than that he was a fulfillment of prophecy A fulfillment of holy writ, amen. A fulfillment of the very one that's to introduce the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And they didn't really like what they heard because it would require them to admit the fact that their religion has amounted to nothing in the eyes of God. All that effort and all that energy and all that giving and all of that sacrifice and all that doing and all that recognition, it means nothing in the eyes of God. And they're too proud to admit the fact that their hearts are corrupt, even though they're religiously, uh, methodically, they, they look good on the outside. Oh, they didn't want a preacher to preach on the sins of the heart. And we can amen a preacher. I, could, I guarantee you, if you never said an amen before, I could get one out of you. All I'd have to do is go preaching on them dirty, rotten politicians. And all I'd have to do, amen, is start preaching on them homosexuals, amen. And I can preach on all them people that ain't here and ain't troubling us. And you'd shout, amen. But when I start preaching on the sins of the heart, such as pride and arrogance and unbelief, amen, and and, uh, pornography and things that we try to keep hid, uh, all of a sudden, oh, you trying to squirm. And I hope that preacher gets done early today. I can't wait to get out of here because you came to see one thing, but God brought you to see something else. God wants to call you to repentance today. Uh, he wants you to open your eyes. Number two, he also wants to open your ears. Let me ask you this. What are you listening for? Look at our text, verse 11. verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Read on, verse 12, from the days of John the Baptist, Until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. There's a power struggle in the religious world to stay in control. That's why churches die, dry up on the vine, because of people with power issues. They want to stay in control and they want to ranch it on down real tight where you can't wiggle or move and dare you not step out of line or we will slap your wrist and tell you your place real quick. Religion, the, the letter killeth, but it's the spirit that giveth life. God wants to wreck your world today. He wants to know what you have come to listen for. What are you listening for? Uh, Read on. Verse 13. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John... But if ye will receive it, question, will you receive it? He said, this is Elias, which was for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus was explaining to them, this was the spirit of Elijah the prophet embodied in in John the Baptist. Think of it this way, Elijah come preaching, if Baal be God, then follow him, but if God be God, then follow him. And then John the Baptist come preaching, repent ye for the kingdom. Of heaven is at hand. It's the same spirit, Amen. They were both called to shatter the darkness of dead religion, and let me tell you this: dead religion don't die easy, Amen. And Jesus was talking about how the kingdom suffered violence because these religious elites were used to their power, and Jesus come messed up everything. Now all of a sudden, uh, Jesus is getting six thousand on the seaside with an unannounced meeting. And they could plan for months and maybe get 30 to show up. And now they got to find fault with the one that's ministering to the people because they're jealous that they can't get no more than 30 at their church. Amen. And religious powers that be would rather find fault in somebody else than to admit their own fault. And what we need to focus on is not so much what the churches down the road are doing, but what God has called us to do. Amen. That's exactly right. And we we can't worry about criticism. Let me tell you something. If you haven't already, there will be criticism based on what God's doing at this church. Amen. And, and I'd like to ask you to do me a favor. Unless I need to know it, just keep it to yourself. Amen. I want to stay positive. I want to stay in the Word. I don't need something to distract me or to discourage me. So if somebody's running their trap about me or you or somebody else in the church, do me a favor. Just let them talk and let God be our defense. Amen. I don't need to know about it. That's right. Give God some glory. I don't need to know about it. And you don't need to worry about it because God is doing a new thing. And I want to know, what did you come to hear? Because, see, some people can't hear but a certain type of preaching. Well, I like the well-reformed. I like the one that stays behind the podium, amen, and is quiet and meek and humble and not so boisterous. I don't like that loud preaching. No offense, no offense. And I, I get that. You know, we, we consider ourselves a civilized society, even though we are a bunch of savages, if you want to be honest. Look at our culture, am I right? Who are we kidding ourselves? We ain't civilized. We're just as savage or worse than we've ever been. Abortion on demand. Oh, my. Savage, savage culture. Mm-hmm. And yet we pretend to be so pious and well together. And all this and all that. But what if God sent a John the Baptist in your mission? Look, I don't claim to be nor ever will claim to be the likes of John the Baptist. I'm way, I'm so far down, I don't even even feel like I'm worthy to be numbered amongst God's people, much less God's prophets of the Bible. But I'm, I'm trying to get you to see the spiritual concept.
0: You've been listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle. If you enjoyed today's message, we invite you to subscribe to True North on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to share these with your friends and family, too. This could be a great way to start a conversation about Christ and study the Word together. If you have any questions about what you heard today or would like to request prayer, please get in touch with Pastor Gary by emailing contact at garycoddle.com. That's contact at garycoddle.com. True North is a ministry of Gary Coddle Ministries. You can find out more by visiting our website, garycoddle.com. Would you like to come worship with Pastor Gary? Simply visit GaryCuddle.com for more details on where he pastors and how you can plan a visit. If you're not in the area, we still encourage you to find a local church body where you can learn from God's word and spend time with other believers. It will be a place for you to grow in faith, find support and serve in ways you are uniquely designed to. With that, Our time with you has come to a close today. Join Pastor Gary next time for more right here on True North.